You're listening to the Bible in Real Life podcast with Lee Fulford, where questions about the Bible meet real life. Hello, hello. My name is Lee Fuller, and I want to say welcome to the Bible in Real Life podcast. All right. I am clapping it up for you, but also for myself because um, we completed over 50 episodes. So if you want to see the mashup of of some of our highlights over the past 50 episodes, uh, you can go back and check that out. But if you're new to the podcast, this is episode 50. So if you go back, you'll be able to find tremendous insights and information and wisdom how we apply the Bible in real life. So first of all, thank you for coming on this journey with us. And here's to another 50. Pew, pew, pew. (laughs) Make my own sound effects. That's how we do it here at the um, Bible in Real Life podcast. But today uh, we're going to be talking about, so there's this, um, in the Christian world, there's this uh, concept of Advent right? So it's the 40 days or so between um, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? And the word Advent is actually a Latin word. Um, Well, it's where we we get it from a Latin word, which means arrival or the coming, right? So for the next couple episodes, we're going to be talking about the arrival of Christ the coming of Christ to the world, and we're going to cover it from a couple different vantage points. So uh, I'm excited for you. I hope you stick with us throughout this whole, you know, mini series that we're doing, and I want you to be encouraged, and I thank you for joining us on the journey. So today, we're going to start off just where the New Testament starts, right? We're going to start off in Matthew chapter 1. So in Matthew chapter 1, let me go to it real quick. In Matthew chapter 1, let's look at, um, let's start in verse (laughs) 1, because that's where the Bible starts the New Testament. So in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, we see the genealogy. It says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. And Judah, the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar. And Perez, the father of Hezron. And Hezron, the father of Ram. And Ram, the father of Abinadab. And Abinadab, the father of Nashon. And Nashon, the father of Salmon. And Salmon, the father of Ruth. Of Boaz by Ruth. And Boaz, the father of Obed by... I'm sorry. Salmon, the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Omed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. And Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. And Abijah, the father of Asaph. And Asaph, the father of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, the father of Joram. And Joram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amos. Amos, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah and his brothers, and the time of the deportation of Babylon. And after deportation of Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shethil, and Shethil the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abud, and Abud the father of Elikam, 
Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Zayar the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eliza, and Eleazar, I'm sorry, and Eleazar the father of Manton, and Manton the father of Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations. And from David to the deportation of Babylon were 14 generations. And from the deportation of Babylon to Christ, 14 generations. Wow, this is such exciting stuff. And you may be saying, Lee, uh, usually I skip past that when I start reading the New Testament because it kind of reminds us of the Old Testament where there's so-and-so begat, so-and-so, and so-and-so begat, so-and-so. So, um, but I want you, the, the first thing I want to point out today is why that is important. Matthew, the Bible doesn't waste words, right? So why would God put this in the Bible, particularly starting off the New Testament? And I have a couple thoughts about that. One is, Matthew is pointing out to us right up front that this is history. This isn't make-believe stuff, right? This is actual people, actual family lines, actual history, right? And I think this is so amazing because sometimes people believe that Jesus was this mythical creature or maybe this person that didn't really exist. Or, you know, hey, it's this, this per, you know, this, this um, imagination or this myth that was, that was propagated throughout history. But Matthew starts off the genealogy by saying, listen, this story doesn't start once upon a time there was a person, that uh, angel, you know, it starts off with this was his dad and this was his dad and this was his dad and this was his dad. So Jesus was an actual and real person. You have to understand that historically, there is actually a person that walked the planet Earth named Jesus, okay? So as Christians, we believe that person to be the son of God, and we'll get into that later. But um, I want you to see this is a make-believe, right? This, this figure, this historical person had a father and a grandfather, and a great-grandfather, and a great-grandfather. So, um, and whenever I read history, whenever I read the genealogies in the Bible, it reminds me that when I see all of this magical stuff, and I went, when I see all of this, uh, the lives of these different people, these were actual people. Your belief as a Christian is not based in fantasy, right? Your belief as a Christian is based in historical fact, with historical people, we can name their father, their great, like, I don't know, um, what's an American uh, folklore? Um, David Crockett? I don't know David Crockett's father and great-grandfather and great-grandfather. Johnny Appleseed? I don't know if these are real people, right? Because I don't know who their dad was and their great-grandpad and, and Paul Bunyan and all this stuff. But listen, we know that Jesus is dead. You know, Jesus, there was a line going directly to Jesus. So, First of all, I want you to be encouraged that uh, Jesus' historical fact, this person did exist. So let's look at what his claims was. Um, this During this time of Advent, we're celebrating the arrival of this actual person. So I want you to be encouraged by that. The other thing is 
Um, it, resumes or genealogies back then was kind of like your resume, right? So I've watched these shows and they were like, hey, I am so-and-so, the, the son of such-and-such, such, the first of his name, right? They go back and they name the who they are the sons of. Why? Because genealogies are like your resume, right? And this is what I think is so amazing about our guy. When you, and everybody knows, when you write your resume, you put the good things. Hey, I was a CEO here, or I worked here, or I was a team leader here, or I graduated from this college, right? You write things that will, that will present you in a certain light, right? Usually only the great things, right? Yeah, you see the best version of a person on their resume, right? But when we look at Jesus's resume, he lists some discreditable, some suspect characters, right? And um, yes, there were many mentioned, but I really want to highlight the four women that are listed in Jesus' resume. First of all, women weren't always listed in a resume, okay? Women weren't always listed in a resume, so I thought it was interesting that, number one, a woman was included. Women were included. Secondly, Let's look at quickly at some of the women that were included. Number one, we see Tamar. So Tamar, um, we see this up closer uh, in verse three, right? Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar. So Tamar, um, if you go back and read the story of Tamar, it's a very interesting one, um, but it's kind of the story of incest. She kind of slept with, with her her husband's dad in order so crazy story go back and look at it but this is not the person that you would usually include in your genealogy because of the suspect activities right next we see um Rahab in the story of Joshua when you go back in the old testament you see that Rahab was a prostitute so if you were listing your references right if you were naming the people in your history would you mention you know, Rahab, would you mention the prostitutes that are kind of in your family line, right? So um, I think this is very interesting. This is intriguing. God is mentioning some people that that we would not really claim, right? You know, some we all have that uncle, you know, that, yeah, he's my uncle, but he's not the one that's going to be on my resume for reference, Right? You know, that that shady uncle, you know, he's not going to be the one that that I, you know, you know, tell everybody that that's my uncle. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'll claim him, but I'm not putting it down in history for everybody to see. Right. Then there was Ruth. Ruth was uh, a very virtuous woman, but she was a Moabite. She wasn't even a Jew. Right. So in the line and then other we see the wife of Uriah. So the wife of Uriah, this is from the time of David. That's the other woman. That was the that was the affair. That was the woman that had the affair with David, right? So as I'm looking at this, man, Jesus, your family history sounds a lot like regular people. <laughs> you got some, you got some people doing some some uh inappropriate family stuff. You got some immoral people in there. You got some people from different nationalities. You got some affairs and, and, and stepchildren going on in this thing. And yet God claims them and identifies them 
as members of his family. You know what? If I had time, I would shout right now because sometimes we think that because of some things we have done, some places we have been, because of our history or our background, we would not be included or accepted or claimed by the God of the universe. But here in Matthew chapter one, Jesus says that I will claim and acknowledge everyone that calls upon my name. Listen, regardless of what you've done, regardless of your history, you can have a place in the family of God. His arms are wide open. Whosoever will believe in the name of the Son of God shall be saved. Thank you. I want to shout. God's grace extends to each and every type of person. Those that are not Jews, which includes me, I'm a Gentile. I don't think I have Jews, Jewish blood in me. Um, so it extends to those that are not Jews. It extends to those that have a past. It extends to those that have uh, been in immoral relationships. It extends to those that have fallen into sin. Yet God will redeem, he'll restore, and he will claim you in his family. Glory be to God. Amen. Right? Next, I also wanted to, so this is just in the, in the, I mean, Christ came and he came from a family just like me. So um, now I also want to kind of go over to Luke really quickly because there's another genealogy in Luke. And I thought this was interesting. I was like, wait a minute. We did the genealogy in Matthew. Why is there another genealogy in Luke? And uh, it's in Luke chapter three, right? I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's, it's, it's longer, actually, than the one in Matthew. But I did want to pr bring out, so in Luke chapter 3, verses, it's actually 23 through 38, right? So I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we see in this genealogy, and this is, ah, oh, this is so good. The thing we see in this genealogy is that this genealogy in 23, right? Jesus was age of 30, uh was the supposed son of Joseph, the son of Haliai. Then it goes the son of, son of, son of. But interesting, this one goes all the way back in verse 38. The son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. You see that? So this genealogy in Luke traces Jesus' lineage, not to Abraham, because Matthew's stopped in Abraham. So we know that Jesus was a Jew and belonged to the Jews. But this genealogy shows the connection all the way back to Adam. <laughs> and I'm related to Adam. Hallelujah. Right? So as a, because this genealogy goes all the way to Adam, Jesus was not just the king of the Jews. Jesus has a right as a son of it, well, Jesus has a right to the whole world. He can be the ruler of the whole world because he, his lineage was a descendant of Adam as well, right? So I, we can, the Jews have accepted Christ, you know, um, many Jews have accepted Christ as Messiah, 
but also the whole world can point to Jesus and say, yeah, I, I know he was a child of Abraham, but if you keep following that genealogy, his lineage was placed all the way back to Adam. And so was mine. So now I can claim him too as Lord of the whole world. Thank you. Hallelujah. I am so happy right now. Right? So aren't you glad you tuned in? We're talking about genealogies and I'm about to shout because God has been good all day, every day. So um, so that's the, the first couple points. In the genealogies, don't skip things in the Bible just because you don't understand it or just because at first glance, it may not be interesting. Do some research and say, hey, what Holy Spirit, what can I learn from these genealogies, right? What can I learn? And hopefully you've been encouraged that there are some things that we can learn um, about Jesus. Number one, his acceptance of anyone that will call upon him. And because of his connection to Adam, I am a part of his family and can be um, and realize that he was the promise, not only of Abraham, he was the promise that God gave Eve, that your son would, um, that there would be the seed of the woman that can save the world, right? So good stuff, good stuff. So <clears throat> let's keep going. Um, if we go in Matthew, so let's go back to Matthew because I want to read one more thing and highlight one more thing before I get out of your way. So in Matthew, let's go back to Matthew chapter one. In Matthew chapter one, and this time when we look at, uh, if I can spell Matthew, in Matthew chapter one, we go back and we'll see something here um, in 18, right? So we go to 18, and Jesus' birth was not an ordinary birth. Matthew 18. Now, the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, the son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what, what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So what do we learn from this? Number one, we learned from this that it said before, and I, you got to understand this, before Mary and Joseph came together, right? So, and it says Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. How all that works? Yeah, listen, he's God. But this shows that Jesus was divine. Jesus did not have an earthly father because it says before Mary and Joseph got together, right? So that means Jesus was divine and human. So let's focus on the divine part for now. Jesus was God. So what does that mean? Well, sometimes when you ask people, who is Jesus? 
right? And Jesus actually did this. He would ask his disciples. But even if you ask someone today, hey, who is Jesus? The historical Jesus that we know existed because there's a genealogy. <laughs> but how do we, um, who is Jesus? Some will say, you know what? He was a great moral teacher. Jesus was a great teacher. His parables taught us lessons that are great to live by. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Some would say, you know, he was a really good person, you know, an enlightened person. He reached another level of understanding about things. So a very wise and enlightened person. All right, cool, cool, cool. Some would say he's a prophet, right? He would speak the words of God to other people. You know, there were other prophets and Jesus is one, just one of the many prophets that God has used. Mm, okay, well, here it says that the, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we know that the Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. And anything less than declaring that Jesus is God is falling short, okay? Anything less than Jesus is the son of God who is equal with God. Whoa, because now there's no wishy-washy. Oh yeah, he's, uh, you know, there's there's Jesus, there's Muhammad, there's Allah, there's all these other ones. And hey, no, 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 no. If Jesus is God, and that puts him on the level by himself. He's not a human. He's not completely human. He's God, right? So anything less than that is less than, well, some will say, where in the Bible does Jesus say, I am God? Right. Because we will, you know, many people will look for that. Hey, I don't I've read the New Testament and I'm trying to see where Jesus flat out says I am God. Well, let's look at a couple of things that you can consider. So if we if we go to John chapter eight, you know, and uh, I don't have time to go specifically through it, but jot these down. Go do your research. Study it out. Um, in John chapter eight, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And then he says, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus says, I am. Wait a minute. That sounds familiar. Where have I heard I am before? Oh, that's right. When Moses says, um, God, Moses was going to Egypt. Hey, who should I say sent me? God said, my name is I am. And Jesus tells them in John chapter eight, before Abraham was, I am. And you're like, mm, I don't know if they understood that. I don't know. Well, if you read in John chapter eight, when Jesus said, I am, they picked up stones to try to kill him. Why? Because they knew exactly what he just claimed. They knew that he just claimed to be Jehovah God. And anyone that claimed to be Jehovah God was supposed to be stoned, right? So they picked up rocks to stone him. And he says, Jesus got away from them. Wait a minute. Wait a what? He claimed to be God. They tried to stone him and they didn't. That's godlike stuff, right? So what's another one? Well, before that, in John chapter 14, um, I mean, John chapter five, verses 18. And I want to, I want to read this to you because this is another instance, John 5, 18, and it says very clearly, and I thought this was interesting. That's why I don't understand when people say, when did Jesus say he was God? Well, uh, you know, reading John, 
John chapter 18. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So everybody around him understood that he was calling himself, um, he was calling, uh, making himself even with, with God, calling God his father. So the those who were on earth and heard him during the time they had no confusion. Jesus was making this claim that I am God. And the thing is, if Jesus is God, then either you believe it or you don't. There's no halfway. There's no in-between, right? There's no, oh, I think he was a good person. Oh, I think, listen, listen, is he God? Mm, I don't know if I can give you God. Well, you are denying Christ as the Lord, as God. Jesus said he was God. If you don't believe he's God, then, hmm, was he crazy for calling himself God? Because I've met a couple people that be like, hey, I'm God. And I'm like, hmm, mm, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> I think he's a lunatic, right? What, um, who was it, Spurgeon? C.S. Lewis. Either he, he is a lunatic, a liar, or he's actually the Lord, right? And many people begin to believe that Jesus was the Lord. You know, there's other instances in Mark where, where Jesus will forgive a person's sin, right? Uh, the, they drop the lame man and, and uh, what was it? Mark chapter four, I think. Uh, <clears throat> they dropped the lame man and Jesus said, hey, your sins are forgiven you. Mark three, hey, your sins are forgiven you. And they said, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus says, um, to show you that I can forgive sins, what's easier? Uh, your sins are forgiven you or take up your bed and walk, right? So to show that he was in fact God with the ability to forgive sins, he told the lame man to get up and walk, right? Demonstrating the power. Not only can I get, um, not only can I forgive sins, I have authority over everything, people's bones and muscles and everything, right? Wow, this is so amazing. I hope you're enjoying this. The second thing I want to highlight in the incarnation or in the advent, that he was human, right? He had an earthly mother. He was birthed through natural means, right? Through the same channel that we have been birthed, showing that, hey, you know what? He wasn't zapped from heaven right? Because he was zapped from heaven. It's hard to believe that he's a human, right? If he just showed up 33 years old or 30 years old, huh? it's hard to believe that he's human. But if he came the same way every other human comes through a woman, uh, if he was born and grew and cried and pooped and sweated and smelled musky after working out all day, right, in the field or whatever he did, right? He was human. So God understands the human experience. He's experienced pain. He's experienced joy. He's experienced injustice. He's experienced being lied on. He's experienced the death of a friend. He's experienced these things. And Hebrew says, 
We have not a God that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but like as he was, right? So we can come before him boldly and find grace, right? I think I just butchered that verse. <laughs> Ephesians 4, go ahead and read it. I mean, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews 4, go, go, go read it. But God was human, so he was God. And you had to be God in order to forgive the sins of the world. But he was human in order to take on the sins of the world. That's why we celebrate his coming. Because he was the God man. To deny his divinity rejects his deity. But to deny his humanity puts him so distant that he's perfect. There's no way we can relate or connect. But God was so ingenious. He said, you know what? I'm going to come experience the life of a human and live it perfectly so that I can take on their sins as a human. However, because I'm God, it can fulfill not only life for one life, but his death could cover throughout history, all and atone for us throughout history, those that will be born years later, right? Wow, Jesus is God. This is why we celebrate the coming of Christ. This is why we celebrate this time of year. This is why Christmas is so important because Jesus came down. He accepts everyone in his family. He accepts from different backgrounds. He is God. He is human so he can relate. And this is the time where we should draw close to him and be thankful that he chose to come to Advent into Earth. I'm excited about this series. Make sure you stay tuned for this series. I will see you next time as we continue talking about some of the characters and some of the other implications of Jesus' coming. But if you found this good, share this, right? This is the Bible in Real Life podcast. My name is Lee Fuller. Thank you for tuning in and I will see you next time. All right, bye-bye everybody.